Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's decided to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that page and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app It contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by the area, your area code and we can have a conversation. 
And we greatly appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work, which is to be of service. And if you are unable to call or you're listening on the archives, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if we get a comment or question from you, we'll address it on the Internet show. And then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that discussion occurred so you can listen back to the radio archives for your feedback. So how can we be a support to you? What is resonating for you today? How has it been landing to begin a review? I guess yesterday kind of morphed into a review of the first five or six lessons. And this is um, coming on the heels of having finished reading the first 12 lessons with commentary. Is this Susan? It is. Hi, Dr. Tim. Hello, we hello. In a, we're in a power outage over here in Pennsylvania. So we're all covered in blankets and building fires, and it's gorgeous out, and it'll melt fast, but it's been very exciting to see a big snowstorm. We had about a foot, and then all of a sudden it stopped, and the sky is blue, which looks amazing against trees which are all white so anyway I have a dream analysis question Um, Michael gave me a mind shifter and um, it's the mind shifter with it is sweet pleasant and desirable for me to be able to embrace my mother fully in love and to receive her embrace embrace in return this mind shifter has gone on now for, I think he gave it to me three days ago. Uh, maybe it was Friday. It's not the mind shifter kind of mind shifter that ends just because I put the paper down. It's like an ongoing study in resistance mainly because I have no desire to do any of that. And you talk about desire in the way of mastery and I'm thinking, can I... Can I curve my desire around to wanting this mind shifter to be true? But my question is, last night I had a dream. My mother and I were sitting side by side on a staircase, nose to nose, and she was screaming at me. And she was screaming at me, and then I turned to her, and then we were nose to nose, and I started screaming back at her. But then... I started to laugh, and she started to laugh, and then a ton of family members, past, present, future, I don't know, it was like a crowd, a horde of people were laughing, and it was just this laughter, and then I woke up, and I wondered if you have any comments on that. Well, what's your first impression? How did you feel when you woke up? I thought it was funny, and I thought it was so, hopeful. So, so you were so you were amused, right? So the I emotion. Was, and I also 
upon arising would be amusement. And amazement. Okay, amazed and amused. Yep, that that could arrive in a dream, whereas all day I'm saying, no way, not possible. I don't want to do this. I have no desire to do this. I would never have suggested this. This is Michael's bullshit, and I don't want to do it. But I told him I would do it. So when you were having those (laughs) thoughts, did you write them down? Were you actually doing the mind shifter? Yeah. I've got and you were writing mean. those thoughts, this is absolute crap, I don't want to do this, this is Michael's business? Did you write no, that down? No, I didn't down? write that. No, I didn't write that. That's, I started that right on. Okay. Okay, but that's <laughs> that's what what the mind shifter is about. Yeah, okay. Give, well, give the power back to the tool and let it work its power. All right. It's already having effects, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the 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 point of the mind shifter is not to convince you that it's true. Okay. Do you understand that? I I sometimes think when I hear I you talk about it that you don't understand that. I don't understand that. This is like the first time it ever got through. I I always the thought the point of the mind true. shifter is not to convince you that it's true. The mind shifter is not like an affirmation. Yeah. And people create these affirmations, and they repeat them over mm-hmm. and over again, and, and, and they're hoping that the more they repeat them, the more they'll believe it, and it'll come true in their lives, etc. That That's not the point of this, and that's also why most affirmations are unproductive. You know, I understand that about affirmations, and I hadn't looked at this as functioning to me as an affirmation, but it has been. I've confused them. So what you just said, I like that a lot. This is like separate. It has a power of its own. It'll do its own work. I don't have to do and what anything. It, and what it's doing is stirring up the contents of your unconscious and adding enough mm-hmm. energy to it that it starts to become conscious. Mm. So this is not about I want to start believing that it's perfectly okay to accept the loving embrace of my mother. That's not what this is about. What this is about is I want to see all of the gunk, all the darkness, all the trauma energy, all the fear-based belief systems that make it seem like that's not at all safe for me to accept the loving embrace of my mother. Well, that's true, and I've seen that. That's what's been showing itself is this is you know, too dangerous. But other things have been happening at the same time, obviously, if I could have a dream like that. Um, Also, Lent is coming, and I take Lent as a wonderful opportunity to do something differently than I've been doing it, or not do something. And I have a folder of letters from my mother that I have not read since I first got them in college and after college. Whenever we weren't together, we would, she would write. She would type letters to me, and I haven't wanted to look at them. And I think I haven't wanted to look at them because I haven't wanted to find out that my story is full of holes. There's so much great stuff that went on between her and me, and I'm not willing to accept it. I want to hold on to the negative stuff. Blame, you know, every time something isn't right, I can blame my mother and the story. 
a lot of that has gone by the wayside already, but my Lenten practice is to read her letters carefully for the entire 40 days. Not looking forward to that either, but it's a plan. Well, you could turn that plan and the reading of those letters into a tool just like the mind shifter. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, right? You you could just read them and argue against them and you know put them away or read them once and put them down and not give yourself time to mm-hmm. reflect on it or not let it sink in. Mm-hmm. But you could also use it as a mind shifter to see what it stirs up and give yourself absolute permission to write down your reactions Great and idea. memories and associations and stuff like that. Great idea. That's a great idea. Thanks. Well, that's pretty much it. I know you want to get to the reading, but I just wanted to have your dream analyst self. Well, go I after don't this want one. to get to the I don't want to get to the reading. I'd much rather talk about this. So, here's this dream analyst stuff, right? The first yeah. thing that happened when you asked me what what do I think about the meaning of this dream what was the first thing that happened I That's asked you how did you feel oh. how did you feel oh, yeah. upon waking mm-hmm. right what's your first impression and you were yeah. amazed and amused yeah right mhm so Understand that and make a note of it. What's the meaning of this? Well, the meaning of it is only going to come out of your mind. I see. Yeah, I know. The meaning is not going to come from anybody else. You can get a dream analysis book, and and we've talked about this before, but it's it's worth repeating. Mm -hmm. There are lots of different ways to interpret dreams. Yeah. And there are dream analysis books. Mm-hmm. And there's an Illyrian school. And there's a Freudian school. And there's a Jungian school. And there's the Gestaltist school. And each of these would analyze that dream differently. Mm. What is the point of that? Why would I analyze mm. it? It's Well, because... It's a dream. It's, it's symbols. It's symbolic. It's carrying meaning from the part of your mind that isn't regulated by what Freud would call, you know, the superego or even the ego. It's like id-based stuff. It's this free form, mm. no structure, no time, no no values or morals. You can kill people and you can be killed and you can have sex with people and things and you can still you can be in one place on, on a plane one minute and you can be at an ice cream shop the next. There's just no rules, mm-hmm. right? So it's mm-hmm. mind energy that's bouncing around that isn't bound by the regulations or the rules or the customs of culture and time and space, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. it's still your mind energy processing the content of your mind. Oh, yeah. So, So here are these different ways to interpret it. You might think of each of the different ways to interpret a dream as a different language. 
And what I've been telling people for decades now is that if you learn a certain language of dream interpretation and you practice interpreting your dreams according to that language, Mm -hmm. you will start dreaming in a way that that makes sense of your dreams. Oh, boy, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's the language that, that, that you're in. Yeah. But it doesn't mean one form of dream interpretation is more valid than another. Mm-hmm. It just means this is the language I'm dreaming in now. Yeah. So if you dream in a language that because you're taught about Freudian dream analysis, right? And and in Freudian dream analysis, I'm just making this up because of the common stereotype about how sexually focused the Freudian dream work was Mm. in the Freudian dream work if you're taught every time there's a pencil or a cigar or a baseball bat it means it's a phallus right Right. if that's what you're taught then as you dream and start analyzing your dreams whenever there is sexual content you'll start having images of a pencil or a cigar or a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. And because mm. that's what your mind is telling you because you're training yourself to believe, to understand the dreamscape through this language. Mm-hmm. By the same token, if, if you're trained in a Jungian perspective and it says, okay, every person in your dream represents an aspect of yourself, yeah. then you'll start dreaming about the people in your lives who have certain traits and qualities that you yourself have, whether you like them or you don't like them, and they'll be doing things in your dream representing things you're doing in your real life and sending yeah. you messages that way. Mm-hmm. And then the more you dream and write down your dreams and interpret them, the more they'll make sense in that, quote, language, close quotes, of dream analysis that your particular coach or, you know, therapist or whatever is talking to you about. Mm-hmm. Amazing, but so, that makes sense. So the, the first level of this dream analysis is, guess what? It's shifting from all of the negative all of the I don't want to go there and and all of this anger and all of this resistance to fun playfulness. Yeah. There were a couple of other things, too, that just came back to me. I hadn't remembered them when I woke up, but I remember them now. Well, one of them is just the fact that she and I were sitting, you know, upper arm to upper arm. We were sitting right beside each other. That never would happen in real life, unless we were in a train or in a tight spot. Why we, we, we chose to be wedged into this narrow stairway where we're right against each other. And then when I looked at her, I put my hands on her cheeks, one on one side and one on the other. To me, that is a sign of incredible affection, sweetness even, and I just remembered that. Just having you talk reminded me 
of that too. So something's, I guess I feel not only amused um, and amazed or whatever it was, but I feel great hope that I can work with this. This isn't, this isn't granite. It's now got some porousness to it, this whole issue. Yes, indeed. Because it's just the mind energy that you're holding and pouring your awareness into. It's nothing more. Right? Our our thoughts, our beliefs, our upsets, our panic about different things are just the product of our mind energy and what we're focusing on. Nothing more. Yeah, that's true. That's what the way of mastery is trying to get us to understand from the first lesson. You don't experience anything outside of your own choosing. It's your mind energy where you're choosing to focus it, what you're giving value to. Remember, before we finished the, the, the 12 lessons, it says, let's give you permission. Let's suggest that you strongly suggest that you take time to figure out what is it you value? Mm -hmm. What are you giving so much credit to and purpose and, and meaning to in your life? Not what's right, what's wrong, not what's absolute truth. Explore what you're making things mean, what you're giving value to from the array of thoughts that flow through your mind. Do you remember that part of the Way of Mastery in Lesson 9 and 10? I wouldn't have been able to say they were in Lesson 9 and 10, but yes. Yeah. Well, and in Lesson 8, it says it's really, really useful to figure out what thoughts are you dropping into your mind and giving value to because they are going to create your tomorrows. Mm-hmm. God, this has just got, it's like an octopus. It's, um, you know, just a lot of, uh, it's very rich anyway. Thanks, Dr. Well, and, and, and the, the, the critical thing that I would draw you to is that childlike innocence, that playfulness, that say, hey, look, you know, there's a part of your mind that says, oh, this is so serious and deep and it can't change and it's been here so long. And there's another part yeah. of your mind that's waking up and saying, wait a minute, I can laugh and hold my mom's cheeks and you know, I can scream at her one minute and laugh at her the next and they're, they can both be you know real memories of things and mm. I'm free to play with this stuff mm -hmm. because it's only having the impact on me that I create from it. Yeah. yeah. When I was very young... I had an uncle that I absolutely adored, and he was in his late 70s. And one day, while I was practicing piano, he came over to the house. He lived near us in Connecticut. He sat in the kitchen, and I was playing some beautiful Chopin piece, and I heard him crying. And I went out in the kitchen. I said, Uncle Alf, what's going on? And he said, oh, that piece. He said, uh, you know, and he went into some early childhood thing that he had never worked out. And one of my thoughts, besides being totally touched, I thought, why are you still 
still fussing with this stuff at age 77 or 8 or whatever you are. Why don't you get past this? And I was frustrated with him. Boy, am I learning a lesson from that. Well, guess what? You're doing that same thing to yourself. Yep, I am. That's a very strong feeling is why don't I get over this stuff? In fact, I was it wasn't, myself. It wasn't talking. useful when you were screaming it at him. It's not useful yeah. when you scream it at yourself. <coughs> True. That's, that's today's the lesson. Wake up sheet. Yeah. The big fat other wake-up sheet or two or ten. Oh, my or, God. Or, Dr. or just be the truth of it. Just soften yeah. and breathe. Oh, wait a minute. Here's something that's stuck in me. Here's something that, remember the work of um, the internal family systems with Richard C. Schwartz, Dr. Schwartz? Yeah, parts. That was the parts Okay, the of parts us. work. Well, remember a critical aspect of his theory about this is that there are no bad parts. Mm-hmm. It's just like the coherence therapy model. We develop the things we develop as a way to cope with what's in our lives at the time. And we do the best we can in each moment with whatever we have. And when we develop patterns like that, it's because that's our best guess at how to make things better. Yeah, that's true. So there's a part of Susan that is with her decidedly above average intellectual capacity and her passion for life and her desire to get what's right, there's a part of Susan that says, I want results and I want them now. I want change and I want it now. I want to do the right thing and I want to see the effects of the right thing now. I want people to be happy. I want life to be bright. Whatever it is, there's that part of Susan that contributed to her wanting to yell at her uncle why don't you just get over this and she's still yelling at herself why don't I just get over this it's just a part of you that is using the best stuff it can to cope with what it feels as unpleasant or unacceptable or painful so be gentle with yourself recognize that part of you and understand it's not useful here. Yeah. And give yourself permission to breathe and soften and allow something else to take its place. Yeah. Well, if we live forever, then the work we're doing now is going to somehow have an effect on the next life we get. On the what? On the next life we get. So it's not a bad thing to keep doing your homework till you croak. Absolutely. Highly recommended. And, And some would say the only viable option for moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at one point already in the way of mastery, it has said you don't get 
to graduate until you understand fully and start living from your true nature. And by graduate, they're implying you're going to have life after life in this physical plane until you get it, that you're not just the body and that your true nature is love. (laughs) Now, is that the absolute truth? I have no idea. But it's a thought pattern. It's a belief system that goes right along Uh with what you just described. Hey, if we live forever... It makes really good sense to just do your work because what you don't get done, you got to come back and do again later. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like the curriculum that has been mentioned in the way of mastery and that Guy Finley talks about. We don't get to choose the curriculum. We have free will so we can choose to delay accepting or studying or learning the curriculum. But there's only one thing to learn here. Mm-hmm. There's only one thing, one one relationship of value, and that is your relationship with your Creator, with all of life, and everything else derives from that. The quality of every relationship is based on or limited by the quality of the relationship you have with your own true nature those energies, those intelligences that created you, that gave rise to you, etc. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And some would say that's the only purpose for being here. Get more and more into the direct experience of your true nature and Share it. Spread it around. Teach only love. There's all these different ways to talk about it. Yeah. I found such a... Every Tuesday, I send a... I call it a teaser. A passage out of something I'm reading that really is... grabs me. I send it to my group, and we're going to meet the next day, and often that serves as fodder for the first discussion is did you read it and what did you think? And I wonder if I could find it because it's what you're saying. It was farther along in the way of mastery. I wonder if I can find it. Uh, well, I don't want to waste the time doing it, but anyway, it was a wonderful little passage. You can find it on my phone. Anyway, I sort of hate to take the time, but um, okay, I found it. It's from page two hundred eighteen, so it may be in something you've already read. I don't. It may be what? It may be part of something you've already read. No. Anyway, okay, if I read it. The function of the holy child of God remains eternally one to bless creation and thereby restore it to the perfect reflection of God's presence. And God is love. Love embraces all things and trusts all things. Love. Love is the nature of your being. When you finally choose to awaken holy 
by welcoming love back into your mind and by becoming committed to resting only in loving thoughts, you will discover that illusions are just that. They contain no existence. You have been resting in the holy mind of God eternally. It's partly because of Ash Wednesday coming up. I thought I'd hit him with a big one this time. Well, that is one of the prime messages woven throughout the way of mastery. It also happens to be, to my eye and ear, almost exactly the same message as in A Course in Miracles and in A Walk in the Physical with Christian Sundberg. Okay, so that everything that doesn't feel right isn't there and you can do use the tools to get there. That's what Abraham Hicks talks about when he says raise your vibration. I tell you that word vibration has been a stick in the craw, but I'm beginning to get the hang of it now. Well, and you said you got some benefit by listening to the TOT the One right. Thing podcast with right. David Bruder and Lori Morris. Yep, that helped a lot. Well, I'm going to turn on the microphone for area code 828. I believe it's Magda. Oh, Magda. Hello, Magda. <laughs> hello, Susan. Hello, hello. And... um. I I just want to tell you, too, I'm so enjoying your conversation. And for the very first time, I had an awareness for myself, and this came out of what you were talking about, that when I wake up in the morning, instead of being a little bit anxious about what I might discover today that I don't want to know about myself, and oh, need to do some work on, you know, instead of waking up like yeah. that, I could really wake up and, th- and think and say, wow, what am I going to discover today <laughs> that is going to take me to a new understanding? You know, like as, as you were saying, Dr. Tim, a fun game. It's really just a game because none of it matters. I mean, we are love, we have been loved, and we will be loved, and... All of the rest of it is just a game we play about discovering and forgetting and ignoring and discovering again and on and on. So You know, Magda? Yeah, honey. Sorry. Did I interrupt you? I did. I'm sorry. Not at all. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have never forgotten your grandfather letter or your great-grandfather letter or whoever that man was that was in the ozone (laughs) That yes, helped helped you find and loved on you so well. But I have to admit, and it was worksheet material even back then. The way he spoke to you so tenderly, calling you little girl and little one. God, I had the heebie-jeebies. That was <laughs> not allowed in my family, and I can see now how it all fits the puzzle. <laughs> you better practice that. 
it was a wonderful letter, but I thought, well, she gets to have that. Ah, we don't do that. And not only that, if somebody tried that on me, I would throw up or run away or um, hit them. I wouldn't believe them. I'd say, you're a liar and a fake. I don't want to hear any of this stuff. I know the truth about you. I know mm-hmm. how you really feel about me. And somehow mm-hmm. he got through to you because I think that was true for you too, wasn't it? I mean, he got yeah. through. That was not in our family either. No one had terms of endearment of that nature. And, of course, I never knew him. I only heard about him. And everything I yeah. heard about him was negative. So by the time oh. we got in, in our, by the time his dictation to me, I'm not sure what to call it, um, got to the point of that tenderness, mm. I was in a completely different zone receiving that. I mean, wow. I, I think my experience of it was that his spirit was in a different zone, that he had gone through so many transitions after his death. And that he yeah. saw things perfectly clear at this mm-hmm. point. And, and as he told me about his life uh, and, and, and then moving on, I was also able to make that transition with him. So I was able to extend, accept it for myself. Wow. And could you keep it? Could you keep it for yourself in your present life? He on and off, mostly on, yes, but wow. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's for me, it's come in, in small steps and sometimes large steps, and then I'll back step and, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. three steps ahead and, and four steps back and all of that. But mm-hmm. all in all, um, I find that through this work, I'm moving more and more toward acceptance of myself as a loving being here on earth. And, and that has been so remarkable. Um, yeah. It's, as a loving it, being and as a loved being. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But we, do, we, don't do any, we don't need to do anything to become acceptable because that was in so many of my worksheets, you know, that I, my desire was to prove that I mm-hmm. was acceptable and worthy, big, big word, worthy of yeah. love, worthy mm-hmm. of acceptance. And, and that is quite different now. And it's been just a long haul, and, and I'm excited now that I can wake up and think, wow, what will I learn today? What will I find out? That's great. And thank you. Thank you, Susan and Tim, for that. That's that's from your discussion. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. And and I I know that um, I do have a question when you're finished, Susan. Uh, Oh, I'm finished. Go ahead. You are. Okay. Well, then I can ask this question of both of you. I'm in a meditation group, um, and one of the people in that group, um, well, we, were, we often refer to 
and you were reading this yesterday, Dr. Tim, um, from, from the way of mastery, and we've heard it so many, many times from Michael Rice as well, that what we need to do is, um, I don't know how they say it in, in mastery, um, to, I'm going to say it in my words, get rid of everything within us that is other than love. Okay, mm. so delete, forgive, whatever we want to call that. And and this person in the group said, well, love is all there is. So we really can't get rid of anything other than love because love is all there is. And I I actually don't agree with that, and I don't know how to verbalize <laughs> my disagreement. And I'm just wondering what kind of feedback... Um, uses and that doctor. sounds like a spiritual bypass, Magda. Um, like I don't need to work on anything because it's all love anyway. That kind of bypass. That person, what that person said, it may be true, but it comes to me much too soon. It's like wiping out where I am in favor of this fix. It's already complete, and I'm just on the sidelines again. That's my reaction. I'm just telling you. That isn't the mm-hmm. truth. It's mm-hmm. just my truth. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Tim might yeah. want to say something. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Well, um, let me just begin with, remember, everything we're saying is words and we're talking about things that go way beyond words each heartbeat. And then the next thing to say is these words only mean what we make them mean. So what is somebody's definition for love? What is the the meaning when somebody says there is only love? And... What If there is only love, then how could you get rid of everything that's less than love? So the essence, like um, Guy Finley likes to talk about how things are in scale, right? So at one level of scale, we don't need to do anything. No, I don't need to do anything. At another level of scale, if I don't do certain things, there are going to be serious consequences. But... Back to another level of scale, I can let it, those consequences happen and then deal with them. So at a level of scale, one of the teachings from the Way of Mastery says the very energy of creation that we're calling love is the very energy each of us gets to use to create our experience of life in each moment. And we can create an experience of fear we're using the energy of love, of creation, to create that illusion that we call mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. So it isn't that there's anything like, it's like the darkness. How do you get the darkness out of a room? Do you go in there with shovels and pitchforks and bulldozer and bulldoze? No, because there is no such thing as darkness. It's just where the light isn't or where mm-hmm. we're blocking the light from entering. And so our experience of ourselves, whenever our experience gets to be tight or tense or sad or angry or hurt, we are creating 
that experience, what are we using to create it? The energy of life, our our free will, our mind energy, our consciousness, that's all there is. Mm -hmm. So at one level, what this woman is saying or this person was saying, male or female, was absolutely true. There is only love. Yeah. And if I'm having an experience of something less than love, that means I'm creating that. I'm giving my thoughts, this situation, my interpretation of it, certain meanings, and I'm creating the tightness and the tension and the contraction within me that I don't, I don't find pleasurable. And when that That's happens... That's when you want to punch her in the nose. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's when you want to punch her in the nose. I know, Dr. Um, Kim, what you're saying is just right. It's just more civilized. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I didn't have that uh, idea, but... um, You did? It's one of of Susan's favorite negatives, so... I I know. (laughs) From from way back. I know. Sometimes, right? Um, so, Margo, did you say you wanted to do that or you didn't want to do that? Did not. <laughs> did Good not want you. to do that. I did want to have she, words to express what I was feeling, and I guess it was more of a feeling that hadn't gotten yet to the thinking, although the thoughts always come before the feelings. I don't know. I was, um, huh, I wanted to have a reply, and I didn't, and it was like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll think on this more or something, you know. Or I'll I ask you some people say. who are in the know. What did I want to do? What did you Is want to say? I wanted to say you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's punching her in the nose. Yeah. I like that. Uh-huh. Um, no, but... Um, I, I really uh, am resonating with your uh, reminder, Dr. Tim, that the words mean so many different things to many of us, and mm-hmm. uh, all of us, actually. We all have our own vocabulary. And so, um, you know, I have no idea what his vocabulary really, really was. Is. Well, and, um, and so the idea is that what Susan first mentioned a spiritual bypass is a distinct yeah. possibility for this person. However, yeah. Yeah. T- to know that, you would have to get some conversation going with this person about what do they mean by that and what will they do mm-hmm. with it. Are they trying to say that they don't have any negativity in them, in which case uh-huh. you probably have the signs of spiritual bypass, or are they saying something else altogether that you could mm. have a discussion about. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But 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 it's also the, the the kind of thing that happens on a regular basis, especially with people who've been students of a course in miracles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because there are so many people who have been students of the course in miracles who've been taught either from the reading their own interpretation of it or they've got a teacher that says nothing's real, nothing's here, it doesn't really matter, nothing matters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters of what I do or say. There, it doesn't matter. It's not real. 
and they want to argue that nothing is real. And right. and for those people, why why have the arguments? Just say okay and walk away, right? You're not going to convince them. They right. know what they know. If mm-hmm. they come to you and they say, well, you seem to be talking about how something is real and we could affect a change in it, and they ask you with genuine curiosity, then you can direct them to Michael's talk on, you know, The Course in Miracles, what is the world, and all the different ways that The Course in Miracles talks about the difference between the world we see with our perception and the world the mm-hmm. Creator created. And they might have the opportunity then to explore something different for themselves. But it's not going to be you convincing them of something. It's going to be them seeing a benefit in their life from using tools to work with their mind energy and what they're creating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as, as the way of mastery says over and over and over again, we are creating our experience of life. And what you focus your mind energy on creates your experience of life. The interpretations you choose for life events and the meanings of life is what creates your experience of life. Exactly. Uh, I'm thinking of um, the, the person who said this, and, and I think the idea of him using a spiritual exit like this um, you know, the shortcut would be right on because this is a person who is regularly pretty angry about this or that or him or her and um, and it has not been able to really recognize it uh, and own it and process it. So this would make a lot of sense for that. Okay, so, so, so here's a better way to say that. Mm-hmm. Rather than say... This is a person who's really angry. Get more accurate, right? Get more accurate and say, this is a person who displays energy that I routinely experience as anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that I interpret as his being angry. Yes. And then you put yourself in a better position. You're in a more flexible position. You're not trying to state that you know something that you can't truly know unless you're in the other person's mental experience. Mm-hmm. And and it'll go better for you trying to do work around this. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because because then, because your work around it is okay. When I experience the energy coming off of this person as anger, then this is what I generate, and there are my worksheets right there. Mm-hmm. Whether Thanks. it's fear or tension or judgment or upset. And now what they're doing, they're living their life. My, as far as I know, this is like the way of mastery says, you know, your life, once you ask, hey, I, I want to go home, hey, spirit, hey, God, hey, light, hey, love, I want to come home, Everything that happens, every person that shows up in your life, every moment is the perfect teacher for you about what you need to release from your illusions, your constructions that's less than love so that your experience becomes only the truth of life, that there is only love. And so this person showing up in your life doing what some people would call 
spiritual bypass and exhibiting all of this energy that you interpret as anger is the perfect teaching moment for you. And when you label it that way and then step into, let me take a look at what I generate in response to the energy coming off of this person that I interpret as angry, and then let me do my worksheets and and removal, canceling or forgiveness work around that. Now, I've... You know, as as the biblical passage says, now spirit will have prepared a banquet for me in their presence. Mm-hmm. The banquet mm-hmm. is my learning, my individual mm-hmm. growth, my unloading my garbage. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You know, in in the um, part of the wake up sheet, you you call it. Um, why am I blanking on the word? Your additions. Um, Anyway, I give up my need to be right. The forgiveness patter? Yeah, patter. I often have to, when I get tight like that and think I'm seeing anger, I have to start with, I might not be right about this. Mm -hmm. I might, and I I don't need to be, you use the word need, I, I don't need to be right, but I always want to be right. I Want is a stronger word in some ways than need for me. So I, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> I start with um, just reminding myself. I give up my want to be right. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm right because my first thing is I'm right about this. I know I can see this. This is obvious. It happens all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is a good little lesson at the end of all the lessons, Doctor Tim. Indeed, and Dr. Tim, thank you for, I know we're short of time now, Uh, thank you for bringing me back to my interpretation and my labeling, because that's another part of judgment, and judgment's been Mm -hmm. coming up a lot in my work, so yep, here I go again, or there I went again, and it's all good, so I got the answer to my question, Uh, what can I learn today? Here it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you. Well, you're very welcome. Mm-hmm. Observing. I'm going to turn on the microphone for area code 541. You're in the air. Yes, Celinda here. Hey, I've Linda. been listening to this. Hello, Magda and Susan and Dr. Tim. <clears throat> I've been listening to this wonderful conversation and laughing and enjoying it and learning um, everything that you've all said applies to me. And um, I wanted to thank you, Susan, for telling me and anyone else that if someone comes up and calls you dear one or sweetheart or honey bunch, that you, you're just liable to punch them in the nose or something because they're fake. <clears throat> because I'm sure I did that in a couple of texts to you, so you probably punched your phone. But anyway, uh, I wanted to share how that, doing simply doing that, has helped me in my own self-acceptance. Um, my family also did not express positive emotion unless they approved of you for some reason. And so that's uh, hard for me. Uh, and I was a very touchy-feely person all of my life, so, you know, that was doubly hard for me. But uh, I finally decided uh, when COVID hit, 
that and I was having so much difficulty with the the separation that was happening with COVID and the lockdown and seeing the effects in people's lives, including my own, that I started to say, I'm just going to call people honey and sweetheart and dear one and sweetie and whatever else, and I'll use my age as a license, and uh, maybe I'll start liking myself better. And that is exactly what is happening, slow, plus all my issues are coming up, the rage that I hid for so long behind the fear, and um, that's coming out in spades. So, boy, do I have my work set out for me, and it's right there, right in my face, punching me in the nose in a sweet, loving way. So I just wanted to share that with you. Everything that any of you contribute um, to dialogues or trilogues, um, I really appreciate. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be a member of this family. Mm. Glad to have you with us, too. Yeah. And if you punch me, Susan, for calling you sweetheart, would you kind of do it softly, please? I cry. Oh, I will. You know what? It's funny when you when I remember that text or email, and I thought my thought was, oh, isn't that nice? She can do that. She doesn't really mean it. So that's my garbage. Yep. I don't. I didn't feel like punching you in the nose. Right. I'm very aware of that there say? are times when I am just choosing to say it as if, and and it, that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I because I know I'm growing into the awareness that that's all there is between mm-hmm. me and whatever energy I'm coming up against if I choose that. Well, just to protect myself. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, to protect you from being punched me. in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> not going to happen. You know what? I'm having to, to to put my protection away a little by little and be defenseless. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. to be open, as Larry, as, uh, Larry calls, as uh, Dr. Tim says, being open. Let me know when you're done. Yeah. And I will sign off because I have just been called by my sweetie about something. Thank you so much, all of you, every bit of us. Well, you're all welcome and deserving. Thank you, all three of you, for your comments and questions. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour. And I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. And thank you, Magda and Celinda and Susan, for the conversations. (laughs) It was delightful. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. Today is today, February the 13th, 2024. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. Press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And Michael has already joined us and so I'm going to start out saying happy eternal day, sweetie. Well, thank you. 
Thank you for making that awesome omelet this morning for my eternal day. And it's a great start for the best year yet of my eternal life. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just caught a little bit of the conversation about doing nothing. And there's a, a, a caveat to that in the Course in Miracles. And I don't know, that might have been brought up, but I didn't hear the whole conversation. But the Court says, you need take thought for nothing. Once you have accepted the Creator's plan as the one function that you would fulfill, you need take thought for nothing except the only purpose that you would fulfill. So be about your Father's business, fulfill your purpose. And so it's in, in that context, it's, you don't have to be concerned about anything, just fulfill your purpose. Act on what your purpose is. And all will be well. And beyond that, uh, Jeannie, did you have a, uh, a question that somebody had written in? Yes, I did. Um, and it is, let me open my email back up. It was, they wanted your take on a particular verse in the scriptures. And it was, good morning, Michael and Jeannie. Uh, thank you for all that you do and who you are. There are no words to express the appreciation and gratitude for the work that you do. What is your take on, quote, then Jesus said to them, therefore render to, uh, we read that one yesterday, render to Caesar what is yes. Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And we addressed that one yesterday. Um, yes. I think this one had to do with the storm. It did. It had to do with... Um, when Yeshua calmed the storm and the wind and the waves and how the disciples, you know, wondered how he could do that and your take on that whole story okay. and events. All right. Well, two things come to mind as I think about that particular uh, story. One is, you know, there's a, a passage that says, without a parable, he did not speak. In Aramaic, parable means parallel meaning. So, or, or I think the word is actually he did not teach. And so was there a literal storm? And was this a story about a literal physical calamity going on? Well, it may well be that it was literal. And I think that because we are a part of the elemental forces of nature, that we have a great deal to do with disturbances in the field of the earth. And therefore, when we can bring ourselves to that centered, connected, calm place, we can have an impact on that. But I think perhaps for most people at this stage of their development, the more important aspect of that story is the parable. And the parable is one, and most people, the storms they face, there aren't that many people that are going to be out in a boat at some point, and gee, they're going to be in a life-threatening storm. But I'm sure a lot of people that are in a life-threatening storm from within themselves, their own emotional nature, their own trauma and drama. In fact, you know, we've talked over the last five years since Arya came into our world, how we've worked with her and worked with her and, you know, helping her to build the brain cells. And she's been having some uh, storms of her own in relationship. We don't see that here 
when she comes to visit with us, but in relationship to her mom and dad, she's seeing some of those storms and she's talked about how, you know, oh, I just had all of this emotion come up. I think that's the storm that's really important to learn to calm. And if one takes the tools of Yeshua and puts them to work, then that storm is going to be calm. And and calm to me in that context means I'm no longer going to to substitute my perception based in something from the past, especially the storms of hostility or fear, for what's going on in the actuality in my world. I'm going to refrain from that. I'm going to calm that storm. I'm going to do my work, clean it up, and step into the world as a space of conscious, active, present love, therefore bringing about a place of calm and serenity within the world. That would be my take on that one. And beyond that, before I go on to anything else, sweetie, do we have anybody else in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room? Well, the only three hands up is Magda, Celinda, and Susan. So if one of you were wanting to talk to Michael again, if you would press one and then press it again, your hand will go down and then come back up. Otherwise, I'm just going to assume that your hand is still up from where you were talking to Dr. Kim. Just breathe. Well, we take a moment. A hand just went up, and it's Miss Julie. Are you um, on this side of the waters now? Miss Julie Matthews. Hey, Julie, are you mute challenged? Hello, Julie. I'm not sure what's happening. The uh, unmuted her microphone, but it's spinning, so I'm not sure if she really got unmuted or not. Let me try it again. And it might be that she's calling from Europe. There may be some signal delay. Well... Two other hands went up, so since Julie's isn't working, let me try. Um, Susan, 610, you're on the air. Welcome, young lady. You with us, Susan? Are we having some... Oh, there you are. Julie just unmuted me. Yeah. I, I did put it up again. Happy Eternal Day, number one. Yeah, Accepted. I have Thank it in you. my birthday calendar. So anyway, have a great day. That's that's wonderful. Didn't plan. And number two, just a piece of business. You sent me two books. I sent you some dough to cover it, but then I realized I didn't send you anything extra for the shipping. So the next time I get something from you, I'm going to just... We're, we're absolutely you you had no need we appreciate your support and and we had no need for that payment at all but thank you for sending it oh okay and another little too little silly thing except inside the Kaburis book and i've started it from the very first page right where you have you have the an introduction down below a picture in black and white, and there's a phone number in there 
that isn't the radio show anymore. So I thought maybe you could tape or people might like, you know, to have you change that number. I don't know whether it's easy to do or whether you've got a gazillion copies already printed. Yeah, they're already printed, and it, it was printed back when the we were using the earlier phone number, unfortunately. So that's but okay. uh, but that's a good thought that we could just manually change it uh, when we and send books out. We'll, we'll make a note of that. Yeah, I know it's that's a real nuisance. But on the other hand, people might want to call in, and I wanted to ask you for sure. Um, I know you have a reason for putting your your name in small letters. You don't capitalize your name. Uh, so yes. I, um, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Well, my observation over the years has been that uh, that people tend to make any teaching related to the topics we're working with uh, about the teacher, about, oh, see, somebody who's superior to me. People mm-hmm. still do that with Yeshua. You know, well, of course, he's yeah. the superior one. They totally ignore the fact that he said, the things I do, you can do, and greater, like bigger things than me you're going to do, he says. But yeah. no, the the non-being mind has gotten a message from their power person that they're broken and they'll never be good enough, and they'll never live, whatever all that stuff is, just plays that out. And so for me... Putting my name in lowercase letters was simply the statement that this is about the work. It's not about me. That's all. That's simple. My daughter was talking to me today about how being the dean of the cathedral has given her a kind of credibility that makes her more effective as a leader in some ways. And she was naming the ways mainly to notice the gifts of other people, put people together get them to know one another and work together. And she said, if I didn't have the title of dean, I might not be able to do that work. It isn't as if I'm strutting around, but right. it, gives, it, it helps. And I was thinking it might help if you'd stop doing the little letters and put the big letters. You do put doctor there. You didn't take that out. And being a doctor is another testament to the work you've done and that you're qualified, and people want to know that. So it, it, it seems confusing to me to have you put it in small letters. Here I am a doctor, but I'm going to not really let you know because I'm going to put it in small letters. So anyway, just the thought, I noticed that you did that, and you do it on the website too. <coughs> so anyway, it, it just I, I hear the thought. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the thought. Thank you. Yeah, okay. So, and I have two other totally and unrelated things. Yeah. My, uh, just on that topic, my, just trying to think of a way to say this. To me, the root of my authority in what I teach comes from what I teach, mm-hmm. not from any of the mechanisms of the world. And, you know, I, I'm really clear that there's nothing here to believe. Take the tools, use them, and watch what happens. They work. That's all. That's the authority mm-hmm. of it, rather than anything else. So that's part of my thinking on it and why I've 
why yeah. I chose many years people ago won't too. Know that. Because people, people tended to that. put it in the direction of, oh, you know, look, you're the the teacher. No, no. The the teacher that I'm here to point people to is within those people. You know, the the yeah. authority for each person. My take would be that it comes from within them and that the core that we're looking to get everybody to is to recognize that the master teacher for you is inside of you. It's not out here in me or anybody else. Yeah, and they would learn that, I think, along the way. Anyway, that's my thought. Hopefully. So, yeah. Received. Thank you. So you gave me a mind shifter, and I worked on it for the entire, Dr. Kim gave a lot of time to it. I just wanted to give you an update because I had a dream that showed that things are shifting, even though during the day that mind shifter is shows up in just massive resistance to wanting to do what the mind shifter says is entirely possible and delightful. Isn't that awesome that you get to face the massive Satan in you, the resistor, the one who wants to mislead you and work through her? Right. Well, it's doing that. The mind shifter was Sweet. sweet, pleasant sweet, pleasant, and desirable for me to be able to embrace my mother fully in love and to receive her embrace in return. So <laughs> besides <coughs> thinking that <coughs> that's never going to be possible and I don't even want it, I had a dream last night that Mom and I were sitting side by side, squished side by side on a stairwell, and she was screaming at me, facing me. <coughs> I turned to face her and screamed at her, And then we started to laugh. And then everybody in the household, and there were lots of people in the household, began to laugh. And then it seemed as if everybody in the universe was laughing. And then I woke up. Mm. And (coughs) so I'm telling you. That's awesome. It's having an an effect, but it's slow going during the day. (coughs) Sorry about the coffee. Sorry, I'll try to. Sounds like it's moving in the right direction. You know, you remind me of a young man who was at Heartland years ago. This goes back to the very early days at Heartland. He was actually on the support team for, I don't even remember now, exactly three or four years, maybe five years. And about his second year there, he had, he had um, started to drink. He was in his 30s when he came to Heartland. He had started to drink when he was, I forget now exactly, 13, 14, maybe even 12. I don't remember exactly, but really young, and then got into drugs. And from the time he started, 12, 13, 14, to when he came to the Heartland in his 30s, he had never had a day where he drew a sober breath. Oh, my God. And his hate toward his father was just legion. I mean, he couldn't say a kind word about his father. And it was the second or third year that he was at Heartland. And I remember, I mean, I can see him. We were doing a still point session. So we're on mats on the floor and he's breathing. And after the still point session, 
he tells us about how he had this experience of his experiencing himself not just as a body but as an energy field and that his energy field went down deep into the earth like right through the floor of the heart center and deep into the earth and wow. and from that state all of a sudden you know he's laying of course on his back on a mat breathing and all of a sudden he has this wonderful memory come up of his dad who's laying on the floor on his back with him as a little kid bouncing him and playing with him first yeah. positive word first positive memory in the the two or three or four years that he'd been at heartland until that experience happened and from there he went home he finished that season he drove back he lived in ohio we drove back to ohio and just had a a wondrous reunion with his father and you know and and once that memory came all of a sudden a flood of memories that had been suppressed because of hostility or fear my my explanation would be that he got into a state of rachma and all of a sudden un, un, unblocked what had been previously just been blocked from awareness mm. and who knows how far back the hostility or fear-based filter relates to mothers and daughters in your family system and as you uncover those what wondrous things will open mm. i remember you told me about your dad because i've talked about my mom and my resistance to allowing her in and you said you understood that because you had a similar dynamic between you and your dad and I right. don't remember whether you said you had worked through that or that's a work in progress. Um, I'd love to hear about that. My, yeah, my take is at, at this stage, I feel a completeness with that. A um, when I think of dad, I I think of how one of the things I always admired about my dad is he was there as a father. Some was pretty crappy, but he was there. And, you know, there were always vacations, and he was dedicated. And that's what comes to mind when I think of my dad now, as opposed to the fact that, you know, he was brought up in an abusive household and an abusive culture and was pretty physically abusive, aside from being emotionally abusive. So that's the main thing that comes up. Will there be other layers uh, or memories with dad from the abuse side? It wouldn't surprise me, but there's nothing present in my awareness of yeah. that now. That's great. So I don't know whether it's still a work in process or, or, or it's complete. I, I'll hold the space and hope that it's complete, and I'm willing for anything else that needs to come to come and be worked through. If you were given the mind shifter you gave to me, would you be able to do it easily? That really is yes. none of my business. I know, Michael. Very okay, easily. Good. Yeah, okay, I mean, if, if Dad were to be able to, I would love it if he would drive in the driveway today and we could get in the car and go out and go to the park and just hang. That would be awesome to me. And I could very easily see myself fully physically holding him and embracing him totally and completely. Uh, that's wonderful. Nothing comes up uh, paying attention right now to my breath. No inhibitor comes up in my breath. That doesn't mean there isn't anymore there you know for me to perhaps still work through but at this point that's that's my 
my sense of and my my I say sense and sensation of physically when I feel you know pay attention to my body as I think about that. And if you think about yourself as a child, at the age where he wasn't treating you so well, would you do it as that child? Because that's what I'm trying to do with my mind shifter, is to be little, be the little kid. Because as an adult, I was able to be very good to my mother and take care of her physically and otherwise because she was really disabled, tiny, you know, give her baths and wash her hair and wash her back and dress her. I had to do everything and it was easy right. and, and, and very nice. But going back to being the little kid when she was much bigger and more powerful, that's the part that I'm resisting. And right. do you think you could do that with your dad? Yeah, actually, I've had on a couple of occasions, there's one particular time, one of the places we used to go when we were kids, way up north, there was a lake called Halls Lake, and uh, my mom and dad would rent a cabin, and we'd go up there and spend a couple of weeks in the summer, and uh, a memory that's common, I don't know exactly what I would have been, maybe two, three, four, I don't know, something like that, but I can remember sitting and just observing my father and just being totally in love, just totally in admiration and uh, I'm not sure what other what other adjectives, but that's basically what the what the sense of that was. And there was no physical danger or a sense of it not being safe. <laughs> no, no, not in that memory. Good. Okay, well, it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing just what you thought I shouldn't do if I saw your name in capital letters, which is to make you the authority on whether I can do my work. But I, and I understand that if you said you were not able to do that or you were able to do that, that I would take that in. But this is my work. Right. I do understand that, and it's different from yours. So. Well, I'll, I'll take this as a, an invitation as well that I'll join you in that mind shifter and going to the next level of, of inquiry in my own body. Well, that's very nice. Uh, that's to, very to do nice that piece like of that. work. Yeah, I'll join you in that. And, and, and in joining you, joining the world in it because, you know, the trauma and drama that have gone on between moms and dads and kids has been going on for just oh, too long. God. It's so time true. for it to... Time for it to be worked through. Well, it sounds as if you may well have done it, but I'd be very interested in hearing what you do, and I'll keep at this. Um, you know, I actually did a little a piece of writing this morning, and uh, I, I, I don't even know where it came from, but I come across a video where this um, man is talking about preachers and how... And he has several clips. It was a YouTube video. He has several clips of these preachers just raging. I mean, like raging at uh, at people. And what came clear to me in that, the piece of writing that I did, and actually I posted on Facebook, uh, the, the piece that came was these people just haven't gotten the message that Yeshua came to bring a different perspective than 
oh, we're going to punish the sinner. We're going to, you know, I mean, these preachers just rage against sinners. And, what they're, and you know, they're supposedly pro-life, but they're ready to kill people over their, you know, not being pro-life type stance. It's like, yeah. gee, they just didn't get the message that Yeshua came. You know, the, the message was, I would have mercy, not this punishment. And that, uh, yeah. you know, he came to sow a different frequency into the earth of our own of our physiology and our psyche and unfortunately there are many people who didn't get that message they think they're christian but they're really doing the old testament legalism and making a buck while they're doing it but that message of oh wait a minute he, he came to bring something different. Remember, remember that woman that he caught in adultery? I mean, just like all these preachers have been screaming out, see, the, the Bible says these people should be killed. The Bible says these people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. um, did, did you pay attention to where there was this woman caught in adultery? And quote, unquote, the Bible said she should be killed. And did you see what he did? <laughs> you know, like uh, that wasn't what story. he was about. And, you know, to mm-hmm. me, the idea is for actual Christianity to catch on <laughs> rather than this legalism and this silliness that passes as, as uh, uh, religious. Mm. So true. And any place yeah. that any of us as individuals can't bring that, that's our next piece of work. And what we can't bring that mind of love to, that active presence of love to, diminishes us. And it's time for us to get back yeah. to our full-fledged state of being. So I'll, I'll definitely join you in that. Oh, good. Thanks. Delighted, honored. It's a great invitation. <laughs> You're a good Who knows what corners that will open up uh, for either of us since we've joined in Vitality and each get to go to another level. Well, you're a good sport. So I had one more question, and it's probably not appropriate, but I do notice what you post on Facebook. I, I Go this for it is something anyway. that is outside your bailiwick. It's about Marianne Williamson and the fact that she was never mentioned as a candidate in the Democratic Party. Uh, Dean Phillips, when he stepped up, all of a sudden we were talking about him in the newspapers. She was not mentioned. What? is going on. What is that about? Do you have any idea? Is she known is she as a running this time? No, she's not. She I, didn't, I, I wasn't aware she was running. She was. She was. That's right. You weren't aware. I was on her feed. I mean, she ran in 2020. No, she was running this time on the Democratic ticket. She oh, knew it would be bad to be a third-party candidate and pull votes away from Sorry. Whoever the nominee mm-hmm. was, yeah. Yeah. And she even had a debate with Dean Phillips. And it was a wonderful debate. And they were very much of like minds, very uh, supportive of each other. It was like watching two enlightened human beings talking about the state of the world and the state of the country. But she <laughs> Sanity has never struck politics, eh? Say that again? Sanity had struck politics. Yes, but it was never publicized. Never in mm. the major like New York Times, 
Nobody knew. Right. We were donating to her. We knew it was like pouring money down a drain, but I thought it wasn't because whoever she reaches, and we knew she didn't have a chance, but whoever listened to her would get it. They would get her what she was saying. But I wondered if you knew anything about that. And obviously, you were even further out of the loop than I was. And then she announced, well, it's time for me to drop out. I'm not getting anywhere. And this was a hard thing for her to deal with, but she did it in the Course in Miracles spirit of knowing that we just, as a country and a culture, we're not ready to have a person like her on the ballot. Anybody I spoke to who had heard of her said, oh, she's too woo-woo and she's this and that. She wasn't the least bit woo-woo. She no, knew she's not. her politics. Articulate, bright, heart yes. in the right place every single time. So anyway, that's, that's my rant for the day. Um, well, I don't know if you remember me mentioning her back in 2020 when she ran. She did do a debate that was one of the larger debates. And actually, I think it was, I'm not remembering exactly the number, but something like 12 or 15 or 18 states uh, where that debate was broadcast. She was the uh, most Googled candidate out of that yeah, I debate, I forget how many people were on the debate stage, but I remember that was like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't think back then that she'd ever really get anywhere because it's not the game at this point. But to me, she changed the conversation. She injected something into the uh, into the country and into the conversation mm-hmm. of politics that sooner or later will have its impact. It is, you know, it's like the leavening. She certainly brought mm-hmm. it forward, and I admire her and acknowledge her for it. Well, it seemed as if that was true back then, and you'd think she would have gotten further doing the leavening this time around, but it went backwards, at least superficially the way I'm looking at it. She got less airtime, less notice this time than before. Well, it doesn't surprise me that she got less in that when she did make the splash she did make last time, I'm sure she brought up fear and offense in a lot of people who want Mm -hmm. business as usual. So I could see it wouldn't surprise me that they would put effort into suppressing her where before Mm -hmm. she became publicly known, there was no reason to Mm -hmm. put any energy into it because nobody knew what she was saying or doing because she Mm -hmm. she could have changed the game significantly had her voice become louder. Oh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for answering that question. This isn't a politics radio show, but I know you had mentioned her very favorably back then and more recently, too, early on, though, before people yeah. were getting on ballots and there were primaries being talked about. Yeah, it would be so, nice to see her voice expanding farther. Yeah. This conversation, the, 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 uh, the leavening moving forward. Mm. So I'm done, and I know you have other hands up. So thanks a lot. All right, young lady, you have a blessed one. Yeah, you too. Joining you in that other project. Uh, Do some breathing on that when the show's over. All right, take care. Great. Bye bye. You too. All right. We have several hands up, but Julie is back on. Let's see if we can get her this time. Hello, Julie. Great. Let's see if we can get to talk to Julie. We haven't heard her voice in a while. Hello? Hey there, young lady. Hello. Hey. Hello, you made it. We can hear you. Welcome. 
Oh, thank you. It's so great to be on. <laughs> How are things yeah, in Spain? Um, they're really, really, really beautiful. Just beautiful. Very, very uh, nice, warm day today. Beautiful water. Oh, I can't believe it how beautiful it is. <laughs> but, but Sweet. I called to say happy eternal day also. And Accepted. Thank, thank you for you. doing And I'm, I'm appreciating that you're doing the Kabura study. That's really wonderful. And um, and I just texted Jeannie about 10 texts about Marianne Williamson that I h- thought she would get, but maybe I don't have her accurate text number. Um, but but anyway, um, Marianne Williamson is running. So all you have to do is Google Marianne Williamson 2024. And I don't think she's dropped out. I've been paying attention every day. She's being interviewed a lot more. The interviewers are really going with, you know, with every, with thoroughness, you know, and letting her speak thoroughly. Um, There's a comedian that did an interview and he said, it's nice when you can have more than five seconds to answer a question, you know, and so there's a lot of progress, I think, in getting her message out. And um, getting the conversations going that need to be talked about that are obviously being avoided in this election with all kinds of circuses and whatnot. And um, so I think it's a real step forward. I think more people are going to really resonate with her. They're going to wake up to her. And and a step in would be... Um, Maybe Michelle Obama will be the candidate, and maybe Marianne Williamson will be invited on the cabinet. Who knows? We'll see what happens. We'll hold the space for for an upgrade to love. Yeah, an upgrade for sure. And she could start. She could be invited to start her Department of Peace with any candidate. You know, whoever wins. So there's lots well, we'll of hold possibilities. The space. Yes, definitely. Okay. Thank you for letting me awesome. say all that. I didn't, I didn't right. know that I was and going I just, to. But yes. That's cool. Holding the space for you. <laughs> and I just sent Eugenie's uh, phone number so you can text her directly if you're not if you don't have it correct. Yeah, I guess I had two of them, and, and that wasn't the right one that I chose. Okay. Okay. Well, well you've got you. it now. It's but, in your text. Uh, Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. All right. It's so are you going to be joining us for uh, Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Saturday? Are you going to make it? I know you were taking a sabbatical mm-hmm. there, but. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I have to work out uh, carving out the space for it, you know, okay. my partner. But I, yeah. Well, it's this Saturday um, and Sunday, so let us know. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Thank you. I will. All right. Thank you. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Okay. And uh, the next, yeah, the next number is 808. Miss Roma, hi, how are you? Well, we haven't heard your voice in a long time. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, it's interesting to me that the conversation has turned to Marianne. I, uh, I was very much a supporter of hers, and she, um, she did drop out of the race on Monday, and there was an official, because I, I got a personal email from her regarding that. 
And uh, oh, well, that's too bad. I feel. I was yeah, hopeful that her voice might continue because she definitely was putting out a higher level of thought than the, the average politician. Yeah, higher frequency. Yeah, I uh, I was looking at my finances and I had her on an auto pay uh, supporting her campaign. And Monday I looked at that and I thought, oh, I guess I'll take that out. And then I and then I thought, no, I'm leaving it in because she probably has post post uh, <clears throat> expenses to pay for too. So I'm still supporting her for a while. But uh, awesome. Just thought I'd yeah yeah. So, um, thank you. That's, that's all I want to say. All right. To say. Well, appreciate you letting us know. Oh, okay. Aloha. All right. Blessings. Take care. Aloha. Lots of love. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, I think that got all of our hands. Somebody else? Press one. And put your hand up. So you've got 23 right, minutes. Well. Well, let's move forward. I'm going to lay a foundation for linking the last step to the next step. And I'm going to take us back. I'm going to actually continue with this theme because it is so much a key to the whole comprehension of what this teaching is about in terms of its real purpose, and its purpose is to transform a life. You know, if you listen to Yeshua, he says, I, he's got a single, very single-minded, and he doesn't say, I come to bring you doctrine, I come to bring you dogma, but he says, I come to bring you life. And recognizing that the importance of the passage we covered last week which I'll repeat once again, the light or the guide for your earthly life is perception. There, if your, if your perception is without fault, your whole life shall be enlightened. That's what Yeshua comes to bring, is an enlightened life. Not dogma, not doctrine. He goes on to say in this passage, and as it comes out of the Aramaic, if your perception be unfit, that is, if there's hostility or fear in your perception, your whole life shall be darkened by it. If the light for you is darkness, how deep will your darkness become? In other words, if your perceptual mind has content that's based in hostility or fear, then the light for your earthly life is out. You're in darkness. Now, you may be the most brilliant person in the world speaking from a place of hostility and fear, and in terms of actuality, in terms of living a human life, your lights are out. You're done. You're finished. And what Yeshua's work is about is n nothing that, the churches have been doing, unless they're doing that, but bringing us back to getting this mind on track and living as a human being. As that line in the course that I repeated earlier, you may take, or take thought for nothing, careless of everything except the one purpose that you would fulfill. And for me, that's the reason for 
this radio show, that's the reason I've been doing the work I've been doing for the last 50 years in developing this, and that's the reason why we're doing the enlightenment, is to fulfill that purpose. So when you recognize the importance of that passage, that the whole core of it is to get the light for your earthly life, get your lights back on, then you hear many people who speak about that, and let's take the word about literally. About means around the edge of. And so many people speak around the edge of that and have no idea what the core and the crux of it is. And what we want, because it's usually left out, what we want to do is get to the core and the crux of it. Now, we can hear many people who will talk about the result. You know, you look into virtually every preacher, and, you know, as the ones I spoke about earlier, who will say, yeah, and, and we're going to be about, you know, living the life we're supposed to. And then they'll go into their rage and their pain and their trauma and their condemnation and their separation and their guilt and and forget what the real purpose was. We can go back through some of the root words about this topic and yet never get to the cause of it. There are lots of words about the effect. And everybody wants the effect. But where's the cause? What's the cause? And so my objective in doing the enlightenment, you know, this this text, Enlightenment, was a, a journey for me. It was a uh, something that I started 40-some years ago and, you know, designed Laws of Living or co-authored, co-designed Laws of Living with Dr. Dan McDougald for the prison system. And so my objective in bringing this forward is to give you everything that I can from my experience, hopefully, that it will serve you. But if we listen to the result that people are looking for, let's, let's look at some of the places. I did a little bit of research, and there are a few places we'll find words about this result. Judaism says this, you shall not hate your kinsfolk in your heart. Reprove your kinsman, but incur no guilt because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your countrymen. Love your fellow as yourself. Now, the big mistake here is a darkened mind thinks the word love is a verb. So it gives you instructions to love your neighbor. We're going to suggest you never even attempt to love your neighbor or yourself. Because that's a mistake. That's where the fall happens. We're going to suggest you put your effort into dealing with the cause of the experience of yourself as love. That the focal point is, you know, if you have a, a thousand conversations about the effect, but you have no idea what the cause of that effect is, you're fishing in the dark with the mind whose perception is darkened. Another statement goes like this, I hereby accept upon myself, 
the commandment of the Creator to love my neighbor as myself. There is no commandment of the Creator to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, the mistaken belief that love is a verb. And I've, I've labored under that mistaken belief for a long time, and it's a, to change the meaning of that is huge in people's lives because there's much to be given up. Again, with another reading of it, and this tends to sound more like churchianity and more like, you know, religion. But again, my, my offering is none of this has anything to do with religion. It's been turned into religion, but it's got to do with living a human life and living where we're designed to live. So if we go to the New Testament, we hear the statement, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, like love is a verb. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And, of course, that implies that it's a verb. We just lost the whole game if if we're playing out of that belief, that misunderstanding. There's a famous rabbi named Hillel, and there's a story about a man who came to him and said, quote, You will convert me on the condition that you can teach me the entire Torah while I'm standing on one foot. And he converted him. And here's what Halil said. That which is hateful to do, do not do to another. That is the entire Torah, and the rest is interpretation. Go study. Pretty brilliant piece of information from Halil. He taught him the whole sum and substance of the law with one sentence. And notice he didn't say, love your neighbor. Now, his regulatory speech isn't all that hot. He's talking about not being hateful. But when he says, go study, you can now go and study all the words in the creation. And if you don't have an accurate description of the tools, For producing that result, you're listening to words about a result without understanding what the cause is. You know, go against what Halil said and say, no, don't go and study, go and do the work. And I can remember a a Laws of Living class, Dan McDougall was at Heartland. Some of you are listening, might have been there at that class. And you'd remember that particular class because, and I don't remember what her name was, there was a woman in the class who was a minister in a local church. So if you were in that class, you'll remember this, because our whole class took Sunday morning and went to her church because she was preaching. And if you remember, the particular Bible that they were quoting from And I made a point of this when we got back after the class because she just happened to be speaking on this very topic that day. And and for me, it was like one, it is the, the biggest insight that I have ever gotten while working with Dan in Laws of Living. Because beyond that statement about, and if we translate properly, it doesn't say love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first great command, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as well. It says, have rachma 
for the Creator and have Rachma for your neighbor or when you think of your neighbor. And that by having Rachma, you're engaging in cause. And by so engaging, you maintain self. You get to live as a human being when you have the gateway open in your mind, Rachma being a gateway that brings active love into, creates a space for active love to enter our human forms, for our human lives to be fully incarnated. It comes through that gateway. And this particular weekend at Laws of Living, if you happen to be at that class, you might remember the discussion when we got back because the particular translation of the Bible that they had sitting in the pews, I remember picking it up and I just had this insight here in just following up in this passage are the 11 most important words that have ever been spoken on planet Earth. My offering. Actually, very shortly after, like the next week, I started to write a book that was called The 11 Most Important Words Ever Spoken. What do you suppose those words were? The passage that follows up this misinterpretation that says love your neighbor, that avoids the cause, it leaves, you know, the, the cause word was dropped out. And we were told to love our neighbor, love the creator, as we do ourselves. But rather, the word rachma has been lost, was to have rachma for the creator, rachma for neighbor. And when we do that, the gateway being open for human life to enter our human forms, that in the presence of the creator or neighbor, we get to maintain our human lives. And then what it says is, on these two commandments hang the law and all the prophets. There, when, when we understand that, they're the most important words that have ever been spoken. And when I got that piece of information, when I got that insight, of course, I had a long conversation with Dan about it, but I got on the phone, you know, I've, with the work I'd been doing, this is going back, geez, I don't know, 30 years ago, maybe 25, I, I don't know exactly. But the work I've been doing, I, I got to know a lot of people in the religious world. And that over the next day or two, I picked up the phone and I asked the question of everybody that I knew in religious life if they'd ever understood what the importance of these words were. And I remember that I, I totaled up the number of years of religious experience that I had talked to. I knew this priest who'd been a priest for 15 years and a minister that had been a minister for 30 years and a rabbi that had been a, minister, a rabbi for and a, a nun. And I literally called everybody that I knew and, with, with excitement and said, Did you, do you know what this means? And there was one of them that had a clue. It's just like, uh, well, you know, it's, uh, well, uh, it's just kind of just another word in the Bible, another line in the Bible, but it's not. 
When you recognize that that passage, tie this together with correcting perception, that you want to get perception on track with love. Of course, to get perception on track with love, love's got to be there. You can't have a system run by hostility or fear and have a perceptual system on track with love. And so what the, the genius, the brilliant piece of insight that's given in this passage is if you think of the creator, if you think of neighbor, and you can maintain this gateway called Rachma open, then you maintain your human life. And everything hangs on that. Like that's the first order of business. And if you don't do the first order of business, then what use is anything else? So for upon this hangs, it's like, don't even bother going to the law and the prophets. It's like these preachers I was talking about that are doing all this raging and ready to murder people and, you know, wanting to exclude their neighbors from the country because they're immigrants and I mean, the, the whole thing. Don't even bother with the law and the prophets until you've accomplished this, because without this, you will not see the message of love in that book, but rather you'll read it through your own filters of hostility or fear and put in the mouth of the prophets the messages that were never intended by them. You won't be able to read their words accurately. A mind with hostility or fear cannot comprehend words based in love. So what do we have today? Well, all kinds of people talk about love, right? Sexual athletics, self-sacrifice, all kinds of crazy things. None of those things have anything to do with us functioning as human beings. So people hear the law and the prophets through a perceptual system that darkness is the light i.e. the guide they follow is that of hostility or fear, and they read things like, for instance, you know, Moses, an eye for an eye. How many times have you heard it said? <laughs> Even Moses said an eye for an eye. Even Moses gave us permission to take vengeance. No, he didn't. That's a mind darkened by hostility or fear reading Moses. If you read Moses with Rachma active in your mind, you know that Moses is saying, okay, you guys, if you have to do your vengeance, the limit of your vengeance is an eye for an eye. If somebody took your eye out, okay, the very limit of it is you can take their eye, but you can't go slaughter their whole family, which was what was happening back then. If somebody knocks a tooth out, and, and if you've got to have vengeance, Moses isn't giving permission for vengeance. He's putting a cap on it, saying you can't do any more than this. So the prime message of this, the, the ancient scriptures is to be responsible for and remove from your mind all hostility or fear so that you get this guide, this light for your earthly life back on track where you actually live 
365 out of the place of love. And when you're not, you have a conversation about yourself, not everybody else, and you bring your own mind to correction so that it gets back on track with love. A mind based in hostility or fear cannot reduce stress. A mind based in love, in the presence of love, can reduce stress. This is the royal road for living out of that mind of love in you. And this man, Yeshua, is not designed to be shown to us as the exception. You know, people are still looking at him as exceptional. He doesn't claim to be exceptional. He says, hey, the things I do, you can do, and greater. And I've heard people try and change that one. Well, yeah, but that was just in certain circumstances. That, you know, he, he didn't really mean that. He's not the exception. He's the example of what a human life looks like. And upon the understanding of this cause called Rachma, hangs everything that's written in that book. And if you read it through a perceptual system based in hostility or fear, you'll distort every word. And, you know, just go take a look in, at the distortions that have happened. Oh, yeah, everybody's using the word love, but do you find the actual active presence of compassion carrying the ability to embrace. Let's take Yeshua in that example I used earlier of the woman who's caught in adultery. Does he grudgingly say, well, we'll see if we can save you? No. He is active present love. He is the living example of Rachma. Not the exception. He's showing what it looks like and what's it going to look like. Well, there isn't going to be any condemnation in it. There'll be accountability. And you notice the places where he went for accountability were those who were pretending to know and didn't know and were doing manipulation and taking advantage of people. So we're looking to tap into and function out of the example as human beings. That's the whole purpose of this study. So what I'm going to do tomorrow, depending on whether we have questions or what have you, in this state where I had this just moment of wow, probably one of the biggest wows of all of the work that I've done over the last 50 years was, oh, Everything, everything hangs on this. These are the 11 most important words ever spoken, and I started to write a book on it. Oh, actually, this, this takes us into the timeline because I was probably about two years out of working on the book when I met Jeannie. And uh, one of our first conversations, I read the first couple of chapters to her over the phone before we ever physically met. So that's about the timeline. So so this is about probably at Laws of Living 22, maybe 23 years ago. So I started to work on this book uh, that was called The 11 Most Important Words Ever Spoken. And as a result of an experience that I had while I was writing it, the title of it changed. 
And the title of it changed to The End of Suffering. And so tomorrow, when we finish with questions, I will explain what the experience was and why the title changed from the 11 most important words ever spoken to the end of suffering. So thank you all for joining us. Have a blessed day. Best year of your eternal life. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye.